0: Who's going to be the right winger on the first line? Who's going to help out Gino on the second line? The one thing that it seemed like nobody talked about all through this past NHL season was whatever happened to the third line. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. If you're into... Football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. If you ever got the feeling at any point over this past regular season or even into all seven games in which the Penguins played in these Stanley Cup playoffs that something was off compared to last year that something wasn't quite right apart from the glaringly obvious issue of goaltending for different reasons, going back to Tristan Jari's mess versus the Islanders, and then, you know, everything that just happened against the Rangers. For me, it was the lack of a consistent, viable third-line presence, and when I say that, I'm not just going to reduce the argument to how many goals were scored or even the more advanced metrics because the bigger issue to me was third line, here's the word again, presence. A year ago, whether they were considered the third line or the fourth line, regardless of where Mike Sullivan drew them up on the dry erase board, it was Teddy Bluger, Zach aston reese Brandon Tanev. Those guys did a lot of different things well. They possessed the puck in the offensive zone. They grinded down the other team's defensemen. And when Sullivan used them in this way, which he did more often than not, they would be a matchup against the other guy's top line, more often than not winning the possession battle. And that's a heck of a thing. If you think about it, to be able to have as part of your pregame planning that you could have a line made up of bottom six guys who would legitimately outperform the other team's very best. That's a nice, nice thing. If you go back to the 2016 and 2017 Stanley Cups, you'll see with HBK that that group was there. There was always something that Nick Benino, Carl Hagelin, and Phil Kessel could do to counter and really, at times, overwhelm the opponent. In fact, you could go through all five of this franchise's championships and find a line like that. Where you couldn't find it was at any stage, realistically, of the 2021-22 season. Why? Lots of different reasons for that. the one that I'm not going to pin on this situation though is tanev and even though I know he you know would be kind of an easy low hanging fruit choice to bring up here because Tanev is you know Mr. Wildman flying around, got the hair, he's hitting people. Uh works harder than everybody, he has that speed, scores into double digits. And then, of course, he went on to do that for Seattle before having that season-ending injury. He was on his way to a career season with the Kraken. But I honestly don't feel this was that much about Tanev because at the start of the season, this season, you'll recall that Brock McGinn was put with that group and did really, really well, and in some ways did better than Tanev had done. So what was it? What actually happened to destroy this third-line presence? This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I've got another low-hanging fruit possibility here, and that was when Bluger had his jaw busted up by Winnipeg's Brendan Dillon. Cheap shot. Awful. Check. And Teddy just was not the same player after that. That can be a coincidence, but sometimes it isn't. Now, it might also be the case, and I know that there are people with the team who feel this way, that Bluger really missed Zach Aston Reese, and probably the other way around. The two were known to have fed off each other. Meaning both their strengths and their shortcomings, there were things that Blugert could do out there with his speed and smarts and positioning that would allow Aston Reese to cover up for his lack of speed and lack of quickness and uh, lack of touch, let's say, on the puck. While at the same time, Aston Reese brought an outstanding shot suppression factor in the Penguins' defensive zone. Uh, One of the handful of best by any forward in the National Hockey League over the last couple of years. He's just really, really good at preventing pucks from getting into danger areas. One of the many things that Sullivan, and for that matter, Ron Hextall, loved about him. And that, quite possibly, covered up for some shortcomings that Bluger would have in that department. Whatever it was, this was all gone. By the time the Penguins got close to the end of the regular season and into the playoffs, you didn't know they had a third line. And every once in a while, somebody would score. You know, Evan Rodriguez got the big goal in game seven up at the Garden, but you never felt them. You never felt like they were part of the series. You never said, man, if. Only Sullivan could get those guys out there in that certain situation to try to get the momentum back. The things he used to do with the Bluger line, they were all gone. Not diminished, gone. You didn't even know they were out there. They were killing time. Now, I don't have easy solutions for this. I can't know what was up with Teddy, and I fully expect to never know. I don't know why he'd want to discuss the way his final couple months of the regular season and playoffs went. But I do know that this team needs him back, and this team needs a third-line presence back. Oh, and another thing, I also know that Aston Reese is an unrestricted free agent who probably won't cost very much and wouldn't exactly blow up your remaining cap space. Just thought I'd throw that out there since Bluger and McGinn both will be back with the Penguins and maybe you could try to recreate what those guys had earlier in the season. Plus, if you can find a way to sign Ricard Raquel, which would be a really good thing for the Penguins to do. And you bring Aston Reese back. It's kind of like getting part of your trade back for nothing, which is always a fun thing for a sports executive to pull off. When we come back, J1 Q. Today's J1Q comes from Mark who asks, why is it that over time it seems Mike Sullivan has become more averse to giving young players like Drew O'Connor a legitimate shot in the lineup when he was doing this very thing in 2016 with Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, and Connor Sheary, playing a huge part in the Penguins winning the Cup? Why has Sully lost faith in young guys? Mark, I'm convinced that this whole discussion is about 80% narrative and 20% accurate. And allow me to explain after I first clarify something uh, that you mentioned there. Sullivan's initial wave of call ups in 2016, if you want to give Sullivan credit for that, Jim Rutherford was actually the general manager, but it was Brian Rust. Connor Sherry, Tom Coonhackle, and Scott Wilson. And Wilson was the one out of the four who actually came up and made the immediate impact that I think bought the rest of those guys some time before he got hurt and was unavailable the rest of the way. It was the following year that Sullivan brought up Jake Gensel, and Jake, of course, had a huge impact in the 2017 run. So I just want to straighten that out and maybe illustrate that it was two years in a row that Sullivan trusted kids. Now, the reason that I say that a lot of this is narrative is because one of the things that's morphed out of this conversation is that Well, Sullivan had those guys when he was at Wilkes-Barre, and therefore he trusted them there, and so he was okay with bringing them up. And I'm sure to some extent that was accurate. However, Sullivan had those guys for like 15 games. You know, he wasn't in Wilkes-Barre for very long before Mike Johnston got fired. He had one training camp and a month of AHL regular season with them. Now, did that help him? learn more about who they are and everything else i'm sure but was that why no i don't think so also and this is where i you know keep kind of leaning toward the 80 percent narrative side when marcus petterson showed up in pittsburgh he was 22 years old just took a regular shift like it was nothing And nobody really talked about it. Nobody said, wow, look at Sullivan trusting the young guy that just came over from Anaheim. Maybe that's because Marcus, you know, just looked like a veteran, looked like he's been around forever with the way he played, especially when he first got here. And then what about the case of John Marino? John Marino shows up at training camp after being acquired from Edmonton for a 6th round pick that summer given absolutely no chance to make any kind of impact in camp at least not by those of us on the outside and Marino ends up making the team like like that like and it was never even a thing why because he could play no one talked about Marino's age no one talked about Marino's lack of experience if anything it made him even that much more exciting but no one gave the head coach any credit for that either So, what I think this is more than an aversion to young players, to borrow your word, is that he has a certain level of trust for the older guys. And I know that might sound like semantics, like I'm saying the same thing, but I'm really not. When Sullivan gives the death glare to Evan Rodriguez coming off the ice after that rock headed penalty, the retaliation in game six. He's giving that look because he's spent enough time with Rodriguez. He knows how smart Rodriguez is. He knows how responsible Rodriguez generally is. And then a relationship gets formed. So when he gives that look, and you remember the one I'm talking about, as nine's coming back across the ice, that trust, that bond is something that he doesn't feel, and maybe to an extent can't feel, that he could form with someone who just showed up here. Can he do that to Rodim Zahorna? Can he do that to P.O. Joseph? Can he do that to O'Connor, who, by the way, Sullivan just loves? And at the same time, and I feel comfortable splitting this, even if it's in an 80-20 way, at the same time, there's no question the coach needs to be more open to it. We saw that this season. We saw all kinds of examples of when a player would go down and a decision would be made to bring up somebody like Valtteri Poussinen or whoever, and you'd have a chance to at least see him, at least lay your eyes on him, give him an opportunity to impress you the way those kids had in 2016, thanks in large part to Scott Wilson's early run of goals. It's a very, very valid discussion. I'm not downplaying it. I'm definitely not dismissing it. I'm just saying it's not as black and white as a lot of people seem to make it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one tomorrow.